Our readings today all have to do with the theme of interior freedom. St. Paul says, For freedom Christ set us free. So stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. What St. Paul is saying is, Christ has set us free, like Zechariah said in his, uh, in his Benedictus, Blessed be the Lord of God, the God of Israel, who has come to his people and set them free. The whole mission of the Savior is to liberate us from the slavery, the yoke of sin and death. Um, but Paul clarifies, he says, You are called for freedom, brothers and sisters, but do not use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Meaning, the kind of freedom that Christ has set us free to live in, for freedom he has set us free, is not a libertinism. It is not a liberality that you just get to do whatever you want in terms of freedom, like license, like you, there's no restrictions in what you can decide. Rather, the kind of interior freedom that holds, that, that holds nothing back from God. The kind of freedom that, um, say, spouses give to one another when they promise their lives in marriage. That I give you total freedom. I'm with you no matter what. You know, I, I hold nothing back. Um, so in a way, it sort of is a constrictive thing. It's, you're committing to God or to a beloved um, and saying, I will give everything for you. I, I'll hold nothing back. And, and so you, you've limited yourself. You've constrained yourself by love. But in fact, if you've ever done that, then you, you realize there, there's a new horizon of freedom that opens up on the other side of commitment. That actually, like, hedging all your bets and keeping all your options open is a, is a kind of slavery. Um, until we give ourselves completely to Jesus to do with us what he wants, we are never truly free. The Old Testament reading today from um, Kings, it's Kings, yeah, um, where Elijah puts his mantle over Elisha, giving him his vocation as his successor, the prophet. Elisha, what he's doing at the time is uh, plowing his field with 12 yoke of oxen, which is like the Old Testament way of saying he was like a billionaire. He had lots of stuff. He had way more oxen than your average farmer. He was doing very well. He was from a very well-to-do family. And there he was in the symbol of his riches, his Rolls Royce, his you know, Old Testament Rolls Royce or whatever. Um, and Elijah calls him to this life of total surrender, total abandonment, to be a prophet. And Elisha says, hold on, let me just kiss my mom and dad real quick. And Elijah says, hey man, I didn't, <laughs> I'm just giving you God's message. And he immediately, rather than going home, just burns up all his yokes, the wood and stuff, uh, or he makes a big fire, and then um, cuts up the oxen, burns that, and cooks it up as a big meal, and gives it to all his people, all his servants and stuff. And then he goes and follows. He basically like burns up, he turns his Rolls Royce into a cube, and says, let's go. Total freedom, holds nothing back. Um, in, the, in the Gospel reading today, Jesus is resolutely going to Jerusalem, which is the place of the cross, place of total self-sacrifice, and he's resisted by various people. Um, in Samaria, for example, they don't let him stay there because the Samaritans are, you know, don't mix with the Jews, and Jerusalem is the capital for the Jews. They know he's going there. So Jesus is, is resolutely going to this place, but there's all sorts of resistance. And there's also these kind of fair-weather fans, these, these people who say they want to follow him. This one guy says, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus says, foxes have dens, birds of the air have, have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. That the, the kind of um, life that you'll have if you follow me with this kind of reckless abandon is like homeless. It's 
in this world, uh, you'll have no place to lay your head, but you'll be totally free. And um, these other would-be disciples try to follow him, and, and he invites them, and they, they all have excuses. I have to uh, bury my father. I have to say goodbye to my parents. The, the same kind of thing Elisha's first instinct was. Um, and Jesus says, whoever puts his hand to the plow and turns behind is not fit for the kingdom of God. The kind of freedom he's calling us to is so radical. It sounds like slavery. It sounds like you're joining a cult, doesn't it? Like you have to give all your stuff to the leader, you know. Uh, you have to marry him. It's like it's, if it weren't God, it would be weird. But what he's inviting us into is, is a different kind of life that is more free, more open, um, more creative than we could ever imagine. I was reading this week uh, a book a friend gave me on the Beatitudes by Mother Mary Frances called uh, Blessed Are They. And on the Beatitude, Blessed Are the Poor in Spirit, she talks about how that's the only Beatitude that the reward is in the present tense. The rest are like, Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. They will be comforted. They will be satisfied. Only blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of God. They already have their inheritance. But what is poverty of spirit, true poverty of spirit? It doesn't just mean not having stuff. It means the kind of interior freedom like Elisha, burning up his oxen. Um, She says, a hallmark of poverty of spirit is flexibility. Meaning, you don't approach reality. The poor in spirit don't approach reality and say, it's got to fit my expectations. Like, I want reality to be a certain way, and until it is, I'm going to be unsatisfied. Rather, the poor in spirit, because they live hand to mouth, just look at reality and they bend to it. They're flexible. They praise God in the midst of suffering, in the midst of want. They're flexible. And therefore, she says, they're creative. Um, You know, like they make the most out of uh, bad situations. You know, they tend tiny little gardens and make um, poor little places very beautiful. The poor in spirit are creative. They're flexible. Perhaps no more obviously than in Mary, the, the, the truly poor in spirit. She, she has nothing except what God gives her, and she holds nothing back. Um, Mary says, let it be, fiat, let it be according to your word. Um, not in the sense of, like, you're the leader, and I'm, you know, giving up my autonomy, my individuality, my interior freedom, but rather I'm, I'm offering myself to, to write the story with my life that you want to write, God. And marvelous things happen. It's much more exciting, much more interesting. But the third thing, the third uh, hallmark of uh, poverty of spirit is vulnerability. And that's probably the hardest one. Why we are so inflexible and don't allow God the creativity with our lives that he wants. Um, Why we submit again to the yoke of slavery and don't give God this total freedom with our lives. Because vulnerability means delivering over to someone else the power to hurt me. You know, if you really love radically, it means you're allowing someone the possibility of hurting you, rejecting you, abandoning you, disappointing you. To give God this total freedom with our lives and to be free in him means to be vulnerable. Yes, to rejection, to the, the, the different hardships of life, but also in the same way that it, we're vulnerable to like a doctor setting a bone, like if you, if you have a crooked bone or something and they have to break it and reset it or something, you're, you're vulnerable to pain, but it's pain that is resetting things, is reordering things. Um, and 
that's sometimes the hardest <laughs> vulnerability to have. When we know there's something wrong that we need to let God open a wound, say, and disinfect it and, and heal it, that that's going to be initially very painful before it gets better. Um, I'll end with this. Just um, This past week, this past year, my dad has had uh, cancer, and it's been a journey, and uh, adjusting expectations to, you know, how much time do we have, and, and what's the, the best course of action, the best treatment, and um, thank God we've gotten many quality months and uh, things together, and there's still uh, hope for much future, uh, but he just about a month ago or three weeks ago, had surgery to remove this cancer. It was a very involved surgery. It took six and a half hours. And the, the recovery was supposed to be five days. Anyways, he's still in the hospital, and that was three weeks ago. And just this past week, like, all the recovery was not going according to plan. It was not, uh, he was not getting better. And, you know, having all these fears and anxieties and doubts and, and uh, regrets and this Tuesday, he was in the ICU. He went to the ICU and he was coding and all this horrible stuff in our family is just like, okay, people are going to start flying in and is this the end? And uh, it was like the saddest I've ever felt in my entire life. And you don't know what to do. And I, that's when I was reading Mary, Mother Mary Francis and this flexibility, this, this vulnerability, this fiat, let it be, Lord. I don't want to change reality. I'll just accept it the way it is and, and know that you're fixing my bones and ordering my reality and, and setting me free somehow. But uh, that is not an e easy thing to countenance in the midst of all that uncertainty and all that sadness. And thanks be to God, um, he just two days ago, or yeah, a day and a half ago, started to turn and is on the mend and is out of the ICU and visited him yesterday and he's joking around. And uh, we can breathe a sigh of relief, at least for now, but it taught me uh, my attachments. <laughs> It taught me uh, what the kind of freedom that God really wants for me looks like. It means trusting him no matter what. Um, to believe that I'm in his hands. That even though he's going to Jerusalem and he's asking me to go with him to the cross, um, that there will be death here. There will be great sacrifice. There will be loss. But it's to set me free for freedom. And not just freedom, but joy, communion, nearness with him. Um, everything that I truly long for, I just let go of these lesser goods so that I can have the ultimate good. Um, that's the good news, but it's challenging to be flexible, to be creative, to be vulnerable. Uh, it means letting ourselves be led and letting ourselves be loved.